you want victory, you can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. If you would please open your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 10. We are studying through the book of Deuteronomy because this is God's Word. And if any preacher anywhere tries to tell you that the Old Testament is now obsolete, tell that preacher to read the New Testament and see what the New Testament writers said under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about the Old Testament Scriptures. And if they're one of those red-letter people who only want to go by what Jesus said as recorded in the red letters, tell them to read the red letters and see what Jesus said about the Scriptures of the Old Testament. Because what he said is they're all pointing to him, and they're never going to pass away because it's God's Word. And we need to know his word and do it. So we're studying right now through the scriptures, as we always do, and we are in Deuteronomy chapter 10, beginning in verse 12 and reading through the first verse of chapter 11. This is God's word. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you except to fear the Lord your God by walking in all his ways, to love him and to worship the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. Keep the Lord's commands and statutes I'm giving you today for your own good. The heavens, indeed the highest heavens, belong to the Lord your God, as does the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord had his heart set on your fathers and loved them. He chose their descendants after them. He chose you out of all the peoples as it is today. Therefore, circumcise your hearts and don't be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and awe-inspiring God, showing no partiality, and taking no bribe. He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the resident alien, giving him food and clothing. You are also to love the resident alien, since you were resident aliens in the land of Egypt. You are to fear the Lord your God and worship him. Remain faithful to him and take oaths in his name, He is your praise, and he is your God, who has done for you these great and awe-inspiring works your eyes have seen. Your fathers went down to Egypt, 70 people in all. And now, the Lord your God has made you numerous like the stars of the sky. Therefore, love the Lord your God 
and always keep his mandate and his statutes, ordinances, and commands. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Folks, we are called to live a life of obedience that is rooted in wholehearted love, not an obedience that is rooted in anxiety and fear that if I miss something, if I step out of line, God is just waiting with a club to hit me. That would be a blasphemous lie from the enemy. And yet, sadly, that's the way a lot of people view God. Basically, as a mean, hostile, cruel taskmaster. These were people who had been delivered from slavery. They knew what it was to have a taskmaster. They knew what it was to be given a command to make bricks, and you're going to have to find your own straw. A cruel, unloving, harsh taskmaster. That is not our God. Our God gives us commands for our own good. Do you see that phrase? He says, fear the Lord, love him, worship the Lord with all your heart and all your soul. Keep the Lord's commands, verse 13, for your own good. God told them things like don't eat pork. Why? Well, because God's just turned off by pigs. God made pigs. God invented pigs. In the new covenant, we are free to eat pork. You can have bacon. Isn't that nice? Aren't you glad? How many of you had bacon this morning? See? It, it, we're, we're free from the ceremonial law. We are free from the civil law. But we are still compelled by the moral law of God knowing that all of God's law was designed for our good. Now, why would God tell people not to eat pork? Anybody ever heard of trichinosis? Why would God say don't eat shellfish? God gave his people instruction not only so that they would be reminded every time they ate that they were not their own, they were in relationship with a God who owned them, and that, by the way, is a gift to be reminded all the time that you belong to him. But God gave them laws that actually made them less susceptible to illnesses that were common and in many places still are today. God graciously, mercifully said, you know, there are some animals that I designed to be the garbage collectors. And they ingest all that stuff. Fish, for example, like catfish. I like catfish. I like, we just had a catfish fry this weekend. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the fact that it's perfectly legitimate now in the New Covenant for you to eat catfish. But you should know that it's not nearly as healthy as some of the other fish. Really. 
Because what does a catfish do? Well, you can get some little ones and put them in your aquarium and see. They'll keep your aquarium clean because they eat the scum. They eat the trash. They eat the garbage. They eat the dead stuff. You just ruined my appetite. I was hoping to go to Bubba's this afternoon. God gave people his law for their good. He gave us his law for our good. It's because he loves us and we are supposed to obey him because what happens if we don't? Well, actually, bad things happen if you don't. But the reason you're supposed to obey is because you're supposed to love him. What does the Lord, your God, ask of you except to fear the Lord your God, to love him, to worship the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, and built on that, you are to keep his commands and statutes for your own good. You see that? We're called to a life of obedience rooted in wholehearted love. Jesus said in John 14, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. If you love me, you'll keep my commands. He didn't say, if you want me to love you, you need to keep my commands. No, that's the way the devil wants us to hear it, but that's not what he said. He wants us to love him, and out of that love, to trust him and obey him. Folks, it's a great privilege for me to be able to come each evening and bring God's Word on these stations. I am so thankful that I have the opportunity to do that. But if you listen regularly, you know that my life day-to-day is involved in trying to minister to kids who come from very difficult situations. I want to ask you to please help us. Contact us at wvr.org and find out how you can be part of the miracle. wvr.org. Please help us help these children. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown Where Jesus is And he's holding out It's not about earning. It's not obeying so that God will love us. But it's embracing God's will for our lives because we love him. That's point number one. Point number two is directly related. And that is we love him because he first loved us. Was that, was that in this passage? Well, actually, that is 1 John 4. But you know what? That is in this passage. Look at what it says. Verse 14 of chapter 10. The heavens, indeed the highest heavens, belong to the Lord your God, as does the earth and everything in it. Yet the Lord had his heart set on your fathers and loved them. He chose their descendants after them. He chose you out of all the peoples as it is today. Saying God didn't need anything. God owns everything. The highest heavens belong to him, as does the earth and everything in it. Okay? It wasn't as if God was, you know, kind of needy. Nobody would go with him to the prom. And he was, he was looking for somebody who could make him feel better about himself. No, not at all. 
Everything belongs to God. He created everything. He owns everything. And yet, here's the amazing fact that God, the sovereign ruler of the universe, chose to love us. He chose us. He chose us. This afternoon, at the dedication ceremony, we plan on playing a little video clip from one of our former students who was back visiting earlier this month and shared as part of his testimony how his life was transformed by the realization that God loved him and had chosen him. Let me tell you, when you realize that, it doesn't puff you up with pride. Yes, God chose me. First Corinthians tells us the basis of God's choosing was that he deliberately chose the least likely candidates. He chose the ones who weren't going to get invited to the prom. Understand? He chose us, not because we were more numerous than the other nations, he says to Israel, not because we were more righteous, he says to Israel, and he says to us in the new covenant, Jesus came into the world to save sinners. The apostle Paul says, of whom I am chief. God deliberately chose those the world wouldn't choose in order to manifest the glory of his grace. And so we love him because he first loved us. And therefore, verse 16, we should change and respond to his covenant love. Look at verse 16. What's the response if you believe that the Lord chose you out of all the peoples? Verse 16. Therefore, circumcise your hearts and don't be stiff-necked any longer. For the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, mighty, and awe-inspiring God. That's who chose you. That God said, I love you. I love you. And in light of that, I'd kind of like to take a shower and maybe put on some, you know, if I'm going to the party with him, I'd, I'd, like, to, I'd like to look nice for him. You know what? He provides the cleansing. He provides the robes of righteousness. He provides everything we need to be beautiful in his sight. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad it's not up to me to stand over in the corner and try and get myself all fixed and then say, is he here yet? Instead, God's word tells me he's working on me to change me from the inside out. That's why he talks about circumcising your heart. I'm not sure how to do that. I think I better just give my heart to Jesus. Let him change me from the inside out. I want to be wholly dedicated to him. And the way we show our love for him is by living a life of love toward others, especially toward those who are in need. 
Look at what it says. God shows no partiality, takes no bribe, executes justice for the fatherless and the widow, and loves the resident alien, giving him food and clothing. You are also to love the resident alien, since you were resident aliens in the land of Egypt. You are to fear the Lord your God and worship him. Folks, God says, if you love me, you'll do what I say. Okay, what do you want me to do then? Love one another as I have loved you. And he particularly singles out those who can't pay you back. Remember Jesus said that in the Gospels. He was talking to folks. He says, you invite people to your parties who are going to invite you to their parties. You do stuff for other people anticipating that they're going to turn around and reciprocate. He says, don't do that. Next time you throw a party, invite people who can't pay you back. Do things for people who actually need it. That's the command. And that's not supposed to be an occasion. That's supposed to be a lifestyle. We are supposed to be living a life of love, remembering our former condition. He says, you were resident aliens. Now, this is the same God who told these same people when they went into certain areas, they were supposed to be his instrument of wrath destroying the people in that place. Uh, I wish you hadn't mentioned that because I've always been troubled by those verses. We'll go back and listen to the previous sermons, all right? Because we deal with that. But I want you to understand something. The reason why human life is valuable is because God says so. And the reason why the Israelites were to wipe out certain people was because God said so. And yet, if God tells you to do that to those folks, you can easily develop an attitude that says basically, well, yeah, but if, if you're not one of us, then you're just trash. And God says, oh, no. You have completely misunderstood. I chose to love you. Now, I want you to be my instrument of love toward these people who are in need. The fatherless, the widow, and the resident alien, remembering our former condition. Those people are wicked and they deserve hell. Mm. Have you looked in the mirror lately? Because you see, if you believe what God says about us, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we deserve God's wrath. So the fact that those folks deserve God's wrath really shouldn't be surprising, and it's not an excuse for me to treat them as if Jesus didn't come to save sinners. 
because Jesus came to save sinners. And the Apostle Paul, when he says that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, did not say, Christ came to save sinners. Fortunately, I was one of the better sinners and not one of the really bad ones. That's not what he says. He says, the reason he chose me is because I was the worst of them all. And he wanted to display the fact that salvation is not based on us. It's all God's grace. It's not something we earn or deserve. We never could. So remembering our former condition changes how we treat other people. Have you ever been surprised by someone's behavior because they seem to be really acting as if they're, you know, just wicked and stupid, and then you realize, oh, they're spiritually dead? And so they're spiritually blind? And so they really don't understand spiritual things because as God's word says, they can't understand it. Haven't you ever looked at them and said, why don't you get it? Have you ever done that with a corpse? I've spent a little time around dead people. That's one of the things that happens if you pastor for a long time. I don't mean you. I'm talking about people who are physically dead, okay? You get called to the house and you get there before the paramedics or the undertaker or you're in the room with the family when the person slips away. I've been through that. Let me tell you, once they're gone, they can't see a thing. Okay? Doesn't matter if you hold up a picture and say, remember this? When a person is gone, these eyes don't work anymore. When a person is spiritually dead, they don't understand spiritual things. And so it should not surprise us that non-Christians act like non-Christians. What should distress us is when those of us who are Christians act like non-Christians. That should be a concern. But it's still not a reason to treat someone like trash. It's a reason why we need to love each other enough to share the truth humbly. Jesus displayed the ultimate obedience born of love. In Philippians chapter 2, it says, He was obedient even unto death. When he died on the cross, he showed us the love of God. And he showed us his love for God. Because no sacrifice was too great. You say, well, Jesus is God. Yes. But God became a man so that he could take our place on the cross of Calvary. And Jesus prayed in the garden, Father, if there's any other way, please let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. We are supposed to live 
life of obedient love. Because he loved us. He didn't need us. He owns the universe. But he chose to love us and to make us his own. That is why we love him, is because he loved us first. And so if we want to show him, he says, show me by the way that you treat those who can't pay you back. That's still the call today. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.